What is it you think of when you think of God? Let's talk about that next on today's broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. It's easy to consider idol worship as something done oh, thousands of years ago with wooden or gold statues, but in reality, idol worship is something that is happening even today. How to avoid it is the topic of our time together today on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series on the life of David continues. We're in 2 Samuel chapter 22, and as we begin our time together today, we do so with a cross-reference out of 1 Corinthians 8. Here's Pastor Phil Howard now with today's program. I'm going to be preaching from 2 Samuel 22, but uh, before we go and look at that passage, I want you to see a parallel truth in 1 Corinthians 8. And I want to uh, set up the message by means of 1 Corinthians 8 and his mentioning of idolatry. He says this, 1 Corinthians 8, 4. He's talking about idols' temples and believers being stumbled over buying meat there. But in 8.4, he says, So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols. We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Idolatry comes from the imagination. It's real. According to 1 Corinthians 8 through 10, there is a demon behind the idol. Let's, let's this morning just, uh, let me use this for a prop. Uh, if you went to the city of Singapore, they have one temple you could visit there that there are literally thousands of gods, thousands of images. Now, can you imagine, and you can, you can look at this, carved maybe out of wood, carved out of stone. Now, imagination and image are pretty closely related words, aren't they? Imagination, the power, the power to give reality to something that doesn't exist. You can imagine someone's after you, and we call it phobias. We call it fear. You literally, when you study idolatry, idolatry is saying, this image, I give the power to be my God. I imagine it has power. Isaiah made fun of idols. He said, with half of the log that you cut down, you make a fire. With the other half, you carve something you worship. And so today, I want to set up a scenario for you 
that the battle of gods, the true and living God, and how he is described by David at the end of his battles and his campaigns, and let's see if we can say about imaginary gods what David can say about the true God. Maybe imagine, if you will, today, I'm going to be Elijah representing Yahweh, Adonai, the true and living God, our Father. And then you imagine this up here. Uh, the greatest God, of course, is right here. I hope it's safe in this church. Uh, money. You turn it into a God. How is that possible? You imagine if I have enough money, I can have all the power I want. I can buy any relationship I want. I can go anywhere I want. I'm not dependent on anyone. So we've empowered money to be a God. If not, we make a relationship, maybe a human being. If I could just have that person, if I could be with them, if I could have their favor. And so we keep imagining and transferring power, transferring authority to something even inanimate like a stone image, like a dying person. Elvis, my God. Oh, you can do better than that. He's a singer, but he makes a poor God. Money, you need to pay your rent with it, but it makes a terrible God. That boyfriend, girlfriend, that object, that hobby, that thing that you have made master of your life, and the only way you know who the master of your life is, is what gets your time, what gets your money, and what gets your thought processes. If you're thinking about it all the time, giving your life to it, you may never have the nerve to call it a God, but you're treating it like the master of your life. And God has told his people, first commandment, have no other gods before you. Now, who is your God? I want us to look at David's God, who is my God, because he's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and see at least nine ways. He uses many metaphors in chapter 22, probably 40 at least. I'm only selective in my, the message today and gonna lift out that if you would put your God up here, I'll compare your God with my God. And David was in a culture of many gods. The Philistines had them, the Assyrians had them, but now at the end of his life, when he's won all these battles, he's now reflecting and he's going to write a song about his God. You know what would be good is if you would this week just write a song about your God and pick every metaphor, everything God has been like to you in your life. Start naming the things he's been to you in your trials, your warfare. You see, David could have focused on all of his trials but David always used his trials to show off his God. When he's reaching back to history, he's not whining that he had to flee Saul. He's just telling you, when I fled Saul and didn't have a chance in a million of surviving, let me tell you what my God became to me. And you can look back over your life and you can either camp at all the disappointments and all the trials 
and all the hard luck stories we all could conjure up, but sacred faith living looks to the past and you say, oh, they tried to do me in, but you delivered me. This tried to do me in, but you were there. And so we want to see out of 2 Samuel 22 what David describes his God as. Let's do this. This is marvelous. I was kind of in a Scottish mode, so I picked eight R's just to help you out. David sang to the Lord the words of this song when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. He said, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. My God is my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and my savior. From violent men you save me. I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I am saved from my enemies. Now a metaphor is when you use one figure of speech to help you describe something else. And David piles up the metaphors, rock, fortress, deliverer, refuge, shield, horn, stronghold, on and on. The first thing he says is, God is my rock. And uh, I begin to think about that. I never thought of calling God a rock. If I was describing my journey, I wouldn't say God's been my rock. But you know what? David hid out in the rocks away from Saul. David hid in a cave in the side of a mountain, a rock. And in Hebrew thinking, a rock stood for immovable firmness, unchangeable faithfulness, and it referred to something that concealed me from my enemy, something that could hide me from the one pursuing me. So David reaches into his culture, his terrain. He's running all over by the Red sea, Dead Sea, rather. He's down there in Gedi. He's down there uh, hiding at the cave of Agilom. And one day, as he begins to write his memoirs, these are his memoirs. Lord, you've been like a rock to me. When I didn't know where to hide, the caves of En Gedi didn't really hide me, you did. When I needed something that I knew would not move in the night, would not change, would not be like the tide in and out, I look to you and I say with Moses in Deuteronomy 32, the rock of Israel is their God. My God is a rock to my whole experience. The immovable object, rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood purge me of every guilty stain. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Our God is a rock. He hides you from danger. He is the immovable object of our faith. He's the same yesterday today and tomorrow. 
He goes on to say, as a rock, this God has become my refuge. He is my stronghold, my refuge, and this word is sometimes translated my castle. Have you ever been to Germany? If you ever go to Germany, you want to visit the castles. I was with missionaries in Germany, and we went to East Germany where Luther grew up. And they took me to the castle where he translated the Bible from the Latin Vulgate into the German language. These mammoth buildings built on the edge of high peaks, castles. And David said, my God is a refuge. The children of Israel had six cities of refuge. But I found in God, when my strength was exhausted, when my men wanted to stone me, when Saul nearly killed me, and all of a sudden the ram's horn blew, and they said, somebody is raiding Jerusalem, and he left off, and my life was saved. I have found in you, God, my God is a refuge. Now let's step back. Let's talk to our idol. Idol, when have you ever hid me? Person, thing, money. Uh, it might buy you a doctor, but it can't ultimately cure your cancer. It might buy you a possession and give a momentary pleasure, but can your idol, can any other God do for you what the true and living God did for David? He keeps talking. God's my refuge. I just sort of thought about uh, men like Daniel when he's thrown in the lion's den. Was God a refuge? I mean, only God can give the lion's locked jaw in a moment. Three Hebrew children thrown in a fiery furnace. Who was the refuge? You see, our God can protect us. It doesn't mean we're free from adversity. It doesn't mean we're free from negative circumstances. God can protect you in the midst of all your enemies. You make me lie down in green pastures in the midst of my enemies because you can protect me in the midst of Saul. You can't get rid of every bad person you work with and you can't get rid of all of your bad neighbors. God put them there for you to evangelize. But God can keep you in the midst of it. Well, I love his third description here. Uh, I call to the Lord who is worthy of praise and I get a busy signal or an answering machine. Uh, verse 7, in my distress I call to the Lord, I called out to my God, from his temple he heard my voice, my cry came to his ears. Peter said, God's ears are open into the cries of his people. I have a responsive God, David says. When I cried for help, when I needed to kill Goliath, he was there. When I had to go collect a hundred foreskins to get a wife, I killed 200 Philistines because Saul was trying to kill me by the Philistines, God heard my cry for help. Has God ever not heard the cry of his people for help? Now you might be thinking, well, I, he hasn't been helping me lately. Have you been crying? 
There's a big difference in whining and crying. A lot of the saints whine a lot. I mean, they've got a persecution complex. Uh, I don't know about you, but my dad spanked us for whining. Did you ever, none of you were raised that way, were you? Or, or we get two spankings. If, if the tonality of the crying was not just right, you got another spanking to learn how to cry right. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And, and all that whining crying. And I used to do that with my children. The first time, one was a trial run. But I knew when the voice had went up and they were just wailing, they were taking out anger. They weren't in pain. They were just voicing complaints. That, oh, you want another one. They said, I'll stay with you. And when the tone came down, we knew it was complete. Did you know God knows when you're whining and complaining versus when you're crying for help? God said, don't complain to me ever. Philippians 2 says, stop your complaining and murmuring. Some of you need to stop murmuring and complaining that we're in a new building and God died over at the old one. Friend, he's here. We made the move. I've been through this five times. I know all about it. God will be here just like he was there. Stop complaining. Stop grumbling. It doesn't, God hates grumbling because it killed so many of his people in the wilderness wandering. But David said, when I cried to the Lord, when I cry for help, he hears me. And the word hear doesn't mean, uh-huh. No, it means he heard and responded. I learned early when we had children to fake like I was asleep. I heard, but I wasn't going to respond at three in the morning. And then by the time Carolyn got back in the bed, oh, were they awake? Why, sure, you know they were awake. I always wanted her to nurse. I hated the bottle because that meant I had to get up and warm it. I don't like to hear cries I've got to respond to when it's inconvenient. David says, my God is never inconvenienced when he hears his children cry for help. He will be there. And if you don't believe it, you live the life this warrior lived. This man's been hunted with sword. He's been hunted by people like a dog. He should have been dead a thousand times. And he said, how did I escape? I've got a God who hears the cry of a desperate man. This is my God. No idol can rescue you. Your friends can't rescue you. Your money can't rescue you. No one's there 24 hours a day to hear your cry for help. But the God of David, our God. What a marvelous God. It's better than 911. Well, he goes on to say, our God is the ruler of all creation. This is magnificent. Look at this. He begins to describe God, and it's like when God's on your side, the entire arsenal of creation is at his disposal. And watch what he says. Get this literature. The earth trembled and quaked. The foundations of the heavens shook. They trembled because he was angry. Hear that? The entire earth shakes if God gets angry. He can make this earth just like a ball bouncing it. And said, oh, I saw the earth shake. Sinai, when God gave the law of Moses, lightning, thunder, the mountain moved. God calls this earth a footstool. I just pat my foot and I give you an earthquake that quick. I, and he's... You see, these gods, these idols that they had in those days, 
They couldn't move anything. They were dead. They were dumb. They were lifeless. But David says, my God is not a created thing. He is the creator. And he can move all of creation to express his will, his displeasure. He can make oceans overflow their banks. He can make mountains move off their foundations. He can make the heavens thunder and lightning. This is an awesome God that I call my God. Bring up your gods. Bring up your Hitlers. Bring up your despots. Bring up your greatest of human beings. Bring up your wealth. They cannot move the stars, the skies, the ocean, the earth. Our God only can. This is the creator God. Notice what he says. Smoke rose from his nostrils, consuming fire from his mouth, burning coals blazed out of it. Think of a person that out of their mouth comes burning coals. He parted the heavens and came down. Dark clouds were under his feet. He mounted the cherubim and flew. He soared on the wings of the wind. The cherubim were over the uh, Ark of the Covenant and David uses poetic language like God was riding them, riding these spirit beings, riding the wings of the wind. He made darkness his canopy around him, the dark rain clouds of the sky. Out of the brightness of his presence, bolts of lightning blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot arrows and scattered the enemies, boats of lightning and routed them. The valleys of the sea were exposed and the foundations of the earth laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. My God rules all creation. Jonah, when you get out on the Mediterranean, the Lord is going to send a storm that nobody can get through. Uh, Balaam, you, don't, you want to curse my people? I'm going to move on a donkey to preach to you and knock you into the wall so that you can't curse my people. Daniel, don't worry about lions. I'm in charge of the lion kingdom. Just lay your head on their stomach and sleep through the night and have your prayer meeting in the morning. Hebrew children, don't be afraid of fire. I, I'm the thing that can take the heat out of fire. I'm the creator God. All these other toy gods can't do anything. I want you to know our God. You see, we live in tame country when it comes to weather. Earthquakes are a little nerve-wracking. But has everybody, anybody ever been in the Midwest when a, a thunderstorm or lightning hits? Scary. Out of nowhere. Watch that lightning dance across fields. And David is saying, when I, in my journey, look back on my life, the God who controls lightning and can hurl it at my enemies, who can open up the Red Sea in a moment and let Israel run through, who can shake mountains, this was the God who brought me from taking care of Jesse's sheep and kept me all these years. This has been my God, and he's my God. Is he your God? And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules. Thank you for joining us today. It's our prayer that our time together here on Truth For Today encourages you in your walk and relationship with Christ. 
As we close out our broadcast, we would also like to invite you to contact us if you have a question about the broadcast, a prayer request. Maybe you'd like to order a copy of today's broadcast. We do have them available. Simply contact us and let us know of your interest. You can reach us at 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. You are also welcome to write to us. Our address is 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue. We're here at Suite 278, Hercules, California. Zip code is 94547. Now, another way to contact us and learn more about us would be to visit our website, valleybible.org. It's there that we have all kinds of information about who we are, what we believe, directions to the church, service times. And we also have a lot of resource material stored there as well. Simply go to valleybible.org and spend some time exploring our website, finding out about us a bit more. If you would like to become a TFT sustainer, we would love to hear from you. This broadcast is aired daily here on KFAX as we are able to partner with you, our listeners, financially. Now, as a TFT sustainer, you'll receive a quarterly newsletter, a once-a-year special gift, Take a break with Pastor Phil. Our weekly video devotional is available to you as well. And again, it's all as a TFT sustainer. When you contact us with your gift of any amount, we'll sign you up. 855-833-9864 or valleybible.org. Or you can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California, And the zip code is 94547. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless.